Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? PN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Hey guys, it is Thursday, May 24th, 2018. My name is Mark Daly. That means one thing. Today is Thursday. That means tomorrow is Friday and weekend is just around the corner. And not just any weekend. This has got to be one of the best sporting weekends in the entire year. We have Monaco. We have the Indy 500. We have the UEFA Champions League final. We have Stanley Cup playoffs. We have NBA playoffs. Major League Baseball is in swing. And I'm sure I've forgotten about 300 other amazing events that are going on this weekend. But it's been great up here in Vancouver, Canada the past couple of weeks. We've had... Finally, spring, spring, or spring has sprung, I guess you could say. It was a lot later than usual, but since spring actually arrived about a month ago, it has just been getting better and better each and every week, and we've been enjoying some very nice weather up here on the left coast of Canada for about the past two weeks or so, and hey, I've already got summer in my head. I know many of you do as well, so it's a great time of year. For my Southern Hemisphere friends, yeah, okay, I know you guys are going into winter, but hey, you guys have already had summer, so now it's our turn to look forward to what's coming around the corner and enjoy our summer up here in the Northern Hemisphere. But wow, we got so much to talk about this week in Formula One. As I was just mentioning, it is Monaco this weekend. One of the highlights on the Formula One calendar. It is basically the race that I think sums up what Formula One is all about. The glamour, the wealth, the beautiful people, I guess if you want to call them that. (laughs) That's all going to be on show this weekend and more. And the one thing that I like about Monaco, even though it tends to be a fairly processional race is just the nature of the track of itself and the fact that it's very narrow and it's tight, it's twisty, and anything can happen there. Mechanical problems, accidents, whatever. You can just never really tell what is going to happen. And just because the guy that finishes on pole position doesn't necessarily guarantee that just because he's the first one into the first corner doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to be the guy that crosses the finish line some 70 laps later to take the checkered flag. It could happen, of course, but we've seen in the past all sorts of amazing and incredible things happen at Monaco. And of course, there was even an instant some 20 years ago when Olivier Panis started, what was about 14th or 15th, and ended up winning that race, driving the the Ligier, which was probably the most unexpected result I think I've ever seen at Monaco, at least since I've been following Formula One and in my lifetime. So we can see that things do happen 
all the time. So let's just expect the unexpected. And boy, there, there's been drama here in the past couple of years. Last year, of course, Sebastian Vettel won. And that came on the, the, the back, the heels, if you want to say that, of a controversial pit stop strategy that Ferrari employed when his teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, was leading the race. Kimi, of course, being Kimi, you can never tell when he's happy, angry, upset, whatever. <laughs> they call him the Iceman for a reason. and uh, But you could tell in that race when he uh, he ended up behind his teammate that obviously he was not very pleased about that. And of course, that was also the point of the season last year that Mercedes really got things turned around. They'd been fairly quiet in the opening several races of the year. And Monaco was a real low spot for them. I, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly where Botas and Hamilton started. I think Lewis had a gear change or gearbox change, did he not? I think the, the, uh, the, the numbers 9 and 14 are have popped into my head. I can't remember if they're actually that low down, but at any rate, it was not a good race for the Silver Arrows. And it was really at that point where they went back and and really buckled down. And by the time they got to, to Canada, to, uh, to Montreal, a couple of weeks later, that's when the season really turned around. And that's when you really got the feeling that they'd gotten the handle on the, the W08 and really were focused and had the car dialed in because it was pretty dominant again. I mean, Lewis, he equaled Senna's record of pole positions at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. And of, of course, he's gone on, not only equaled that record, but uh, improves on it almost on a weekly basis, or at least it seems that way. <laughs> and so we have to wonder what's going to happen. Anyways, let's t take a look now at some of the items that are making news in the Formula One world today. And well, we, we had a glimpse of it a couple of weeks ago, or I guess maybe six weeks ago now. I can't even remember, but at uh, the, the Bahrain Grand Prix, Liberty Media, the commercial rights holder for Formula One, had announced their, I guess you could say the, the, the broad strokes, the real outline of some of the the changes they want to implement in Formula One for 2020 and beyond. Obviously, the current commercial agreement they have, the, the Concord Agreement, ends after 2020. And they came out with a very brief outline, and they wanted to uh, basically change several areas. They're talking about simpler, louder engines, a spending cap on, on team spending, a more equitable, equitable division of prize money, simplified governance structure, and new technical regulations that's basically uh, they, they want to put into place to improve the racing, uh, encourage overtaking. And we might get a hint of that as early as next year. They, they did push in those uh, technical changes just a couple of weeks ago prior to the, the last Grand Prix in Spain. And they did that. Uh, it was basically uh, basically a cutoff, so they could implement these rule changes for next year that didn't require the uh, the teams in Formula One to sign off and agree to it. So a, a bit sneaky from Formula One, but hey, if it turns out to work and it improves the overtaking in, or overtaking for next year, I don't think that's a, a bad thing at all. And I think maybe that's sometimes something that has been missing in Formula One. We all know how politically charged and how controversial and how almost uh, the, the reactions in Formula One from the constructors at times can be way over to the, the, the top. 
at least in my uh, opinion, they can be. And I, I think in, in years gone by, I don't know how, I, I mean, Bernie Ecclestone really ruled the sport with an iron fist, but I think that it's good to see the, the governing body really standing up to the teams and saying, okay, well, we're listening to our fans and this is what we want to do for next year. And uh, well, we're within our rights to do it. So a bit of a gamble, obviously from a couple of points of view, but uh, let's wait and see what happens. But anyways, back to the the 2021 update. They will expand on that on a a meeting on Friday morning uh, at the Monaco Grand Prix. So by the time most of you have downloaded and listened to this show, or perhaps listening to it, we might have more information. And I'm looking forward to see what those uh, expanded or the, the, the details are going to be. Of course, it, uh, it it really leaves a lot of things hanging. The only the only body or the only uh, group, I guess, if you want to call it that, that is committed post twenty twenty one is Renault, and nobody else is uh, committed at this point. Uh, the other constructor constructors and engine manufacturers very much taking a wait and see approach to watch just how this this whole process evolves. Of course, Sergio Marchionne, the, uh, the the president of Ferrari, said a couple of weeks ago that, that Ferrari would pull out of Formula One in 2021 if the new uh, rules, the new, the, the new structure for the sport go against what uh, Ferrari stands for and, and what is their, their heritage and, and, and just basically what makes a, a Ferrari a Ferrari. And Wow, I, I cannot imagine what Formula One would like be like without Ferrari. I mean, they've obviously been there right from day one, and uh, to me, I mean, it, it the the sport seems like it would not be the same. Is, is it a case that that uh, that no one team is bigger than the sport? Uh, it's that's that's a great question. I think it really depends on your point of view. I've seen uh, some people commenting on social media that okay, well, if they don't like it, if they don't like the reduced prize money that they might get for their their historic franchise stature, I think they get somewhere in the the neighborhood of about a hundred million. I can't remember if it was dollars or pounds per year. Anyways, <laughs> hundred million dollars or a hundred million pounds, it's still a lot of money, <laughs> whichever way you decide to to look at it. But the new uh, the the new structure that uh, or at least the uh, the outline that they'd floated a, several weeks ago was uh, reducing that number to the uh, about somewhere in the 40 million range still 40 million pounds or dollars still a lot of money but uh, I, I think that it's only fair that somehow they find a way to to split up the prize money between the teams a, a lot more fairly and let's 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 be honest so, I mean Ferrari is Ferrari they they add something to the the mystique the the, the glamour and uh, what just makes Formula One Formula One and I personally don't have a, a problem with them getting that bonus but is it out of proportion it very much seems that way. But some of the other things that uh, that were coming out, uh, McLaren CEO Zach Brown, he had a, a couple of things to uh, really weigh in on. And he thinks that the direction of the sport, it should be more competitive. He wants to see more fan engagement. And he personally thinks that uh, sponsors are more excited about the, the, the future of Formula One, looking a couple of years down the road. Uh, he also said that uh, the engines that aren't really sorted out yet, obviously that's uh, also an ongoing discussion and an ongoing uh, uh, process. And well, <laughs> nobody's really committed besides Renault, as I was saying, but 
he was, uh, or Brown was saying that he could not see anybody leaving at this point in time. And I mean, considering who Zach Brown is and his position in Formula One, obviously CEO of McLaren. Okay, McLaren's had some tough times the past several years, but very successful, very established team in Formula One. And uh, if, if you have somebody with Brown's stature weighing in that he can't see any of the teams leaving, well, that's that's a very interesting comment. Whether or not Zach has some inside information or he's just got a very, very good crystal wall, uh, I, I guess maybe that would be a, <laughs> a bit interesting. But it's uh, it, it remains to be seen at, at this point in time. Uh, I, I think we just have to see how the process unfolds and, and what the the new rules, the new regulations and the new governance, what that all looks like before we make any any judgments. So it'll be interesting to watch and, and hear what comes out of that meeting on Friday. Now, let, let's talk a little bit now more about Ferrari. So they are being investigated by the, the FIA. And this comes to the, the point that they believe, or there are some suspicions, that there's something funny going on with the, the Ferrari's MGUK unit in the car. So they believe that uh, Ferrari, they've got this twin battery system in the uh, in their car this year. And they believe that, uh, or the rumor is at any rate, that uh, the Ferrari has some sort of power advantage and uh, it is uh, the, the way that the batteries in the car is configured is that this power advantage or this performance uh, advantage is not being uh, picked up by the, uh, the the sensors that have been installed by the FAA that are in all cars not just the SF71H so there will be additional hardware in the car this weekend and just uh, reading some of the news that came out Sebastian Vettel he didn't seem too concerned about it he said well these rumors are always uh, around and uh, if it's not us this weekend then next week or a couple weeks down the road it's going to be someone else so we'll we'll wait and see obviously when it comes to a sport like Formula One each and every team each and every designer is is going to try and push those rules, those regulations to the limits to get every fraction of a section a second advantage out of the, the the car and get the maximum performance they they possibly can. Obviously, if uh, they figure they can exploit exploit a loophole in the rules, they're going to do that until that loophole is discovered and then closed. I mean, go back to two thousand and nine and that uh, the infamous double floor system that uh, that Ross Braun and Braun GP came up with. And they surprised a lot of people. I seem to remember going into that season, I can't believe it's almost a decade ago now, it doesn't seem like it, that uh, being sort of, I guess, the remnants of the old Honda works team, that maybe it wasn't really going to be all that much. Like I, I really didn't know what to expect from them. I didn't really expect them to come out of the gate flying like they did. And it really took the the, the rest of the teams quite a little bit of uh, time in that season to, to, to catch up performance-wise. Of course, there were immediate protests that the double floor system that uh, that Braun had come up with uh, was uh, was illegal. Uh, again, it was a creative interpretation of the rules, and and uh, at the time it was uh, judged that it was legal. So, is Ferrari trying to do something different with the uh, with their twin battery arrangement and uh, the, the way that they're uh, they're deploying that power? We'll wait and see. But uh, if they they are 
gaining an unfair advantage, you can be sure that they're not the first ones. I mean, what was it, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the FIA introduced these new measures about the fuel or the oil burning, especially during qualifying. And there was a lot of speculation and rumors about different teams up and down the paddock. So who knows? We'll wait and see how that one shakes out. But going down now and looking at the the timing in or the times that have been posted in free practice so far, very impressive stuff from the Red Bull cars. Daniel Ricardo and Max Verstappen. Danny Ricardo earlier today on Thursday setting a new track record in Monaco, posting a one minute eleven point eight four one. Amazing, an amazing time, and his uh, teammate Max Verstappen only two tenths of a second behind, posting a one minute twelve point oh three five. Vettel. Well, I mean, Max is only two-tenths of a second behind his teammate, and Vettel was the third-fastest car on the Ferrari. He's almost six-tenths of a second behind Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, free practice, still a little bit uh, uh, not really, you know, qualifying or the race, but uh, obviously at this point in time, very impressive stuff. Hamilton was, uh, Lewis was fourth in free practice too. He was almost seven-tenths of a second behind, and then uh, Raikkonen and Botas rounding out the, the top six. And I mean, come on, obviously, <laughs> it's going to be those six guys and those three different manufacturers, those three teams, and they just interchange each and every week. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Red Bull, they're looking pretty good right at the moment. And they've been saying this week, uh, this uh, the past couple of days, that they've, they figure that the the edge, the advantage that they have in the design of the chassis in the RBR14 actually it gives them a little bit extra compared to what Mercedes and Ferrari have, especially when it comes to these magic engine modes that uh, that the big two teams are employing during qualifying. And uh, Danny Ricardo, he actually thinks that they can hold on to that a- advantage when it comes to qualifying. Uh, both he and Max Verstappen believe that once it gets serious on Saturday and once we get into the, the qualifying sessions that the Ferraris and the Mercedes cars are obviously going to be faster. But he, uh, Danny Ricardo, at any rate, figures that they can stay out in, in front of them. So we'll wait and see. I, I think it would be great to, to see uh, things shake uh, shape up uh, a little bit and see the Red Bulls at the front rather than your Ferraris and the Mercedes. I think it would make for an interesting, interesting start to that race. And of course, uh, you know, going into that first corner of Saint-Devant, uh, that could be, well, it's it's always uh, an interesting and exciting start to that one. And uh, we've seen our fair share of tangles going into that corner over the years. So obviously we want to see all the cars get away cleanly so we can have a, a full race. But I mean, are we, are we going to see a safety car? We usually see a safety car. We've, it seems like almost every race there's a safety car for one reason or another. And you would have to think just with the layout of the track itself at Monaco that a safety car period almost seems uh, inevitable at, uh, at one point or another. Last year, of course, when uh, Button and uh, Pascal Verlein had a coming together just before the entrance to the tunnel there and Pascal being uh, unceremoniously shunted, punted by uh, Jensen, ended up uh, flipping up uh, onto two wheels and coming up uh, to rest against the tire wall there and then having to be uh, helped out. So we had a safety car that time. And of course, it uh, I was never really a fan of that, especially in uh, in American racing. We have like the, the, the yellows and the cautions, but it, it really does... W- when I became more sophisticated in my my knowledge and appreciation of uh, of motorsports, 
And even nowadays, when we see more safety cars in Formula One, I've come to appreciate more how it can really shake things up. And uh, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, well, I think we've seen the last couple of races at least, right? I mean, uh, in Spain, after uh, the unfortunate Roman Grosjean did whatever that was that he did going into turn three at Barcelona a couple of week, uh, weekends ago, uh, taking out uh, Nico Hulkenberg and Pierre Gasly on that first lap and then... Uh, the, uh, the 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 week before that in Azerbaijan, safety cars. There's always been a safety car there, but it can definitely turn proceedings on its on its head. But uh, talking about um, the the Red Bull boys, uh, Max Verstappen almost got uh, a penalty here uh, for being quite naughty. He ran a little bit wide in Santavat and uh, ended up reversing back onto the racing line to to get back on the track and continue. Unfortunately for Max, Sebastian Vettel was racing around on a hot lap and uh, had to take a bit of a evasive action. He was uh, summoned to the stewards who reviewed the uh, the evidence but uh, eventually cleared Max because the the approaching drivers were being warned uh, that uh, that a car had gone off the circuit uh, by virtue of a yellow flag. So maybe that is one of those news items that is getting a little bit more attention that uh, that it deserves, but well, Max, let's just say if you're going to do something like that, better to get it out of your system now in free practice when it doesn't really matter and save the good stuff for qualifying and then end in the race. Because, hey, when Max is on his game and he's having a good race, it always makes Grand Prix exciting to watch. And uh, just talking some more about it, it all seems to be about Red Bull this week. Red Bull is being involved in the discussion one way or another. But uh, after uh, the, the Spanish Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, obviously uh, Ferrari didn't have their greatest weekend. Kimi Raikkonen retired with mechanical issues. Sebastian Vettel uh, ended up, well, also it wasn't all, not just his car, but also some uh, somewhat dodgy and questionable pits uh, strategy. And uh, of course, uh, uh, Vettel ended up behind Max. Verstappen and honestly he lacked the pace to even challenge uh, uh, Verstappen to try and and get a podium spot and of course with the two Mercedes cars just racing away off into the distance in a completely dominating fashion uh, the, well neither of them <laughs> neither Verstappen or Vettel had any hope of catching either Bottas or, or, or Lewis Hamilton but uh, we're going to need to see something more from Ferrari but uh, Vettel is confident that that uh, Ferrari is able to close the gap on the on the Red Bulls, and uh, well, we'll have to wait and see. He he didn't really give any uh, <laughs> any real solid reason when he was questioned uh, after free practice. He said, "Can we be faster than uh, Red Bull? Sure, why not?" So sure, if Seb thinks he can be faster than re- the Red Bulls, then we'll wait and see. <laughs> Qualifying is only a day or so, uh, or so away, and just. Here we go. More Red Bull news. Everybody's talking about Red Bull. Even Total Wolf, the team boss at Mercedes, concedes that uh, that Red Bull and uh, Ferrari are the favorites uh, to win this weekend. Kind of goes back to what I was talking a little bit um, uh, about earlier in the show. That yeah, Ferrari haven't really had uh, the the best uh, outings there over the past couple of years, uh, especially last year. But uh, I don't know. I I really got a feeling that we could see something from from Red Bull, and perhaps maybe Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, we all know, and we still feel bad. We we still ache for that decision or that whatever that was a couple of years ago in 2016, was it? Or was it 20? Yeah, 2016, when Daniel Ricciardo went into the pits to change his tires, pulled into his pit box, only to be greeted by, that's right, 
no tires. <laughs> so that was an unbelievable blunder by the uh, by Red Bull on that weekend. That uh, that Rob Ricardo of what was looking to be a fairly well, I, I would say it was a a guaranteed win at Monaco because just the way the track is, you. I, I think you make be making very bold predictions at any point in the race uh, before the final couple of turns to say that uh, that one's in the bag. But certainly at that uh, in 2016, he looked like he was going to take the checkered flag, and that was just that was that was really heartbreaking. And he got into a bit of a funk after that. It took several races, I think, before Ricardo really kind of hit his stride again. But interesting. But for our, sorry, Mercedes, I should say. Even if they lack pace there, we know that they're strong in Montreal. And uh, of course, after that, once we get through June, we'll be into what I'm really looking forward to. That insane month of Ju- July, what is it? We have like uh, four Grand Prix, including was it three on consecutive weekends. It's going to be fantastic and amazing. And it's it's going to be a, a great time of year. And let's be honest. If uh, Mercedes uh, continue to improve and Ferrari continue to struggle a little bit, is the constructors and the the drivers championship going to be as close as it is right now? Lewis Hamilton, ninety five points, leading the drivers championship at the moment. Vettel second place with seventy eight, and Botas in third place, a somewhat distant fifty eight points. So you know, fair distance uh, behind his teammates so far, but still a lot of races to go. We're, I guess, we're we're coming up on what about a a, a quarter of the way into the season so far. This seems kind of a incredible to say that because it doesn't really feel like uh, the Australian Grand Prix was all that long ago but that's probably a good thing because that was not really the most exciting Grand Prix I've ever seen in my life and just to sort of underline how bizarre that one and how unexciting that one was was how Sebastian Vettel won that race by virtue of uh, passing Lewis Hamilton under a virtual safety car weirdest thing ever but I digress But going back uh, to this weekend, uh, well, you know, it is really a lottery and we'll wait and see. And of course, we still have more Red Bull news. And I I really like what's happening with Red Bull and Toro Rosso, because we know that going back as far as 2014, the first year of the, uh, the turbo hybrid era, that Renault haven't really gotten it right. I mean, let, let's be honest, they haven't been as bad as Honda. And of course, Honda, you know, they were quite a ways to, uh, behind because by the time they decided to join Formula One again and become an engine supplier, they were already several years behind in development. Uh, I can't remember prior to 2014 how long some of the engine manufacturers like Mercedes and Ferrari had been uh, developing these engines before they even, uh, before they even introduced them. So uh, Honda obviously were in you know, really lacking. So I suppose from that point of view, it was no surprise that they struggled as badly as they did with uh, McLaren over those several years, couple of years of that, that doomed partnership. But Renault, not really, they're kind of, to my opinion anyways, sort of a a bit of a in-between, obviously not as bad as, uh, as the Hondas were when they first came in, but still not quite as good. Well, obviously not as good as the Ferrari or the Mercedes engines. And, uh, you know, Christian Horner, the team boss, the team principal at Red Bull is, he's been, I would say fairly vocal, but he's, uh, he said repeatedly over the years that they just haven't been as, as happy or satisfied with the performance of the, uh, of the Renault engines. And, and, uh, it's, it's hard to, 
uh, argue with that. I mean, obviously, in the in the prior year of the V8s, obviously a very successful partnership, uh, winning world championships, constructors championships. I mean, Sebastian Vettel winning four world drivers championships during his time with Red Bull. Uh, amazing stuff. And obviously in the, the, the turbo hybrid engine era, they just haven't gotten it right. But I kind of thought at the time, like this time last year, when there was all the drama with uh, with McLaren and with Honda and uh, all these amusing yet depressing things that Fernando Alonso was saying over race radio and in the press and on the TV, all these uh, different comments deriding the Honda engines, that's when they swapped for the the Renaults and then Toro Rosso losing the Renault engines, getting the Hondas and this whole, whole switcheroo with Carlos Sainz and all these different things. I can't even remember how they all worked out. But it's really kind of interesting when you think about it. And I, I really get an, a, an appreciation now for what Christian Horner and the uh, the Red Bull brass were trying to do and basically double dipping. So here you are, you you know that you've only got uh, Renault engines up to 2019. And, you know, Honda are getting better. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we saw that uh, Pierre Gasly had uh, a really competitive car several weeks ago in, uh, in Bahrain finishing P4. And that wasn't just a fluke in the race. He was strong all weekend long. He's, uh, he struggled a little bit, uh, the, the past couple of races, obviously, uh, being knocked out by Roman Groja on lap one at the Spanish Grand Prix really denied, uh, Gasly an opportunity to kind of get back on a roll. But now it, it's interesting, interesting to see when you have Red Bull and Toro Rosso, which is a, the, the junior team of Red Bull, of course, with the Honda engines, they can basically see like for like like how the performance of these engines are. And uh, Christian Horner is saying that uh, that there is no decision going to be made until the Canadian Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time. At the earliest, both engine manufacturers are going to introduce upgrades at that time. And uh, so they're, they're pushing a little bit. Um, uh, several weeks ago, Renault was saying that they wanted a decision from Red Bull by May 15th. Well, guys, May 15th is come and gone. <laughs> Renault has not had an answer from Red Bull. And uh, I, I like the way that, uh, that they're playing this one, honestly. I, I think that they're obviously looking out for their own best interest and uh, they'll evaluate uh, both engines and you know i i'm i'm intrigued by the possibility of seeing a honda powered red bull car and if they actually opt to go for honda engines for 2019 and beyond that could be a gutsy call and well based on what we've seen with mclaren so far they, they have the renault engine obviously the the renault far more reliable than the honda but you know power wise performance wise they're not really moving up that far up the grid they've had some better results this year obviously i mean uh, fernando is uh, sitting in uh, seventh spot in the the, the constructors championship with 32 points so obviously a, uh, an advantage or or big uh, increase and uh, improvement from last year and the and the year before that but what with mclaren saying all this time that everything was on honda and the, their engines all the problems were there you know they got this great car they've got this great chassis and all that that it's proving that now that they have the more powerful engine that maybe that's not really the case at least from from my point of view uh they, they are obviously more reliable in collecting points that they were losing out on last year just because they're finishing races that they just weren't last year and uh, and in previous years but still i think that the the, the mclaren isn't quite as good as maybe that they say it is uh, they did introduce the the new front wing and the the new aerodynamics at the front there in spain 
didn't really look like it had a big advantage, but Spain is sometimes a, a hard race to really judge. I mean, they, they test there, all the teams, uh, they, they know these, uh, that like each and every corner, the drivers, I think, can basically drive around in their sleep. So I think that uh, any improvements that we'll see from the new, uh, new aero parts on the McLaren will be seen in subsequent races, but it's promising what they're doing, but there's some, some interesting, interesting things going on in the uh, the engine silly season. Now, let, let's talk about other silly season things and not so much drivers moving um, teams because they're out of contract. We've already talked about that in previous episodes of this show. Obviously, Raikkonen and uh, Danny Ricardo and uh, Valtteri Bottas are the three big names that uh, that are questioned about where they're going to be next year. Obviously, their deal's up at the, at the end of this year. But uh, this is more at the other end of the scale. The, the guys that just haven't been getting it done and uh, the, the names that are being thrown out there that their seats might be under risk is uh, Roman Grosjean, Rogro, of course, having a pretty rough start to the season so far. He hasn't scored a single point. Of course, he's had some uh, mechanical problems. But the past two races, not a good look for Roma. That uh, that first lap uh, error that he had, and uh, the the fact that he took out uh, the the two uh, the, the two uh, cars there. Who was it? Uh, Hulkenberg and uh, Pierre Gasly. Sorry, and then uh, almost I think it was uh, Sergei Sorotkin had to take uh, evasive action, trying to go through that big cloud of uh, burning rubber smoke <laughs> and trying to avoid an accident. That did not look uh, good on Gro- Roman Grosjean. Of course, uh, previously to that in Azerbaijan, he put it into the wall while trying to keep his uh, tires warm during a safety car at uh, Azerbaijan. So those those things aren't looking good for, for Roma. Of course, uh, he's had that reputation over his, um, over his career and who knows, right? I mean... You would think, I mean, for a guy that's been, had had a couple of cracks at Formula One, has been around for a while, is it going to happen for the guy? Like, I, I think we've seen peak Grosjean and uh, team principal Gunther Steiner has uh, rubbished and poo-pooed the suggestion that uh, Roman is under fire and that his seat is at, at risk. And he's basically uh, tried to kibosh all of that. But isn't that also sometimes like the, the kiss of death when they say, oh, no, no, you know, everything's fine. You know, he's, his seat is okay. <laughs> sometimes it's reading between the line that almost, or the reading between the lines. It's almost a, a bit of the kiss of death when it comes to a, a situation like that. And you look at uh, Kevin, Kevin Magnuson, his uh, teammate, he's had uh, a, a pretty decent season so far. I think he's already got, what, about uh, 19, 20 points, something like that. So, I mean, he's uh, doing fairly decently. I mean, the, the Haas is supposed to be one of the best of the rest. Uh, they've uh, uh, had some mechanical issues, but if, um, you know, if uh, Grosjean is supposed to be the number one driver there, then he should have at least the same, if not amount of points that his his teammate does. And uh, Grosjean, he's coming out and he's saying thing that people are exaggerating the problems and the, the the lack of form. I mean, it's not just a lack of form; it's a complete lack of form uh, that's that uh, that he's been suffering this year. So he says that people are making a mountain out of a molehill. I don't know. I think that the uh, the criticism is more than justified. I, I think that uh, with Haas having a, a fairly competitive car this year, that uh, the, the first five races of the year has not 
been good enough from Roman Grosjean. He needs to do better and he has to do better. And uh, if uh, he wants to keep his seat there, maybe he's safe for next year or safe for the rest of this year. Who knows? He's got to start delivering the goods sooner rather than later. And then also moving down the grid, Brendan Hartley at Toro Rosso denies that his uh, seat is under threat and that he's going to be replaced by Pascal Verlein. That's uh, the rumor that's been floating around in the the German press, which is a a bit of an interesting one. Pascal being a Mercedes contracted uh, driver. Uh, Brendan Hartley says he's more than capable of staying on the job, but... Again, just like Roman Grosjean, he's had a couple of unimpressive uh, races uh, the, the past two times out. He didn't make it out of Q1 on uh, in Azerbaijan. And then uh, he almost uh, took out his teammate in what potentially could have been a very scary accident. And then uh, he uh, didn't even make qualifying in Spain a couple of weeks ago. He did a very nice job of smashing up his car in FP3. So he started from uh, the, the, the back of the, the grid. So... Grosjean and Hartley, the first two guys to to lose their seats in uh, Formula One this year. We'll wait and see. (laughs) As we've seen over the past couple of years, that teams definitely further down the grid uh, are, are not necessarily as patient as uh, as they have been in the past, and we've seen mid season uh, mid season changes for the past uh, several years. So who knows? Wait and see. Could happen again. So good news again for McLaren, who are making news for all the right reasons, well, at least from a, an investment point of view, with news this week that Canadian businessman Michael Latifi, father of Force India test driver Nicholas Latifi, has invested over £200 million to uh, buy up 10% of the shares in the uh, McLaren group that makes Latifi the first uh, investor in McLaren since Ron Dennis left at the twenty end of 2016. And that's amazing. So they really think that uh, this investment is really going to to help them out and said it's going to, well, <laughs> really exciting uh, press announcement. McLaren said, quote, uh, it will significantly strengthen the group's balance sheet and underpins its ambitious growth plans. Well, I, I think that uh, goes without saying. Anytime someone writes you a big fat check for two hundred million pounds. All right. Well, moving along, Pirelli has been asked to simplify Formula One compound names for their tires for twenty nineteen. Uh, so this comes uh, from a, a request made by the FIA that they want to simplify the names because what with all the different compounds that have been introduced for their tire ranges. It's just getting a little bit too difficult for uh, casual fans, especially, to understand. In the old days, you had soft, medium, hard compound tires. Then you had super softs. Then you had ultra softs. And now hyper softs. So you got four different kinds of soft tires. So they want to come up with some uh, some naming convention, if you want to call it that, that they can use uh, for starting next year. So Pirelli seems to be agreeable with that. Uh, that's what uh, F1 boss uh, Mario Isola said, or the Pirelli F1 boss Mario Isola said. And um, they're talking about, well, maybe they can keep the, uh, the the color schemes on the sidewalls of the tires similar to what it is now. And then they could maybe just go by the the compounds, the different tire or rubber compounds that they're they're using. So I don't know. Doesn't really bother me, uh, but again, I'm not a exactly a newbie when it comes to Formula One. I mean, I'm not a technical guru by any uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't particularly have a, a problem with the hypersofts and ultrasofts and supersofts. It's all it's all just just 
optics, if you ask me. It's just the way that you look at it and the way that you call something. So whatever. <laughs> Word power to you if you can make it simpler for the rest of us. But we'll wait and see. And this is kind of cool. Valtteri Bottas is going to honor uh, fellow countryman and former world champion Mika Hakkinen by wearing a helmet done up in uh, the Flying Finns uh, infamous uh, uh, color scheme that he wore for all his uh, career. And I think that's kind of cool. I, I really was a big fan of Mika Hakkinen when he was in Formula One. And it comes to uh, uh, down to the fact that uh, Valtteri wants to pay homage to his uh, his countrymen, uh, to the fact that it's been 20 years ago since uh, Hakkinen won his only Monaco Grand Prix and then won a world championship in the same year. And then finally, this was kind of cool. Uh, today, on Thursday, Keke Rosberg and son Nico Rosberg, the father-son double world champion team. Well, they're all both the world champions. Or I guess they're not double world champions. Well, let's put it this way. Father-son world champions did a demo around Monaco. Keke driving around in his uh, FW08. Uh, well, actually, that wasn't the car he won his world championship in. It was a, a a development on or an evolution of the car that he won the 1982 Formula One World Drivers Championship. And Nico was reunited with his Mercedes W07 from 2016. Obviously, that's when he won his Formula One World Championship, his only one, before shockingly retiring a, a week after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. That one I don't think I've still gotten over. It was uh, such a shock at the time, but pretty cool. Go online, go to to, to F1.com, Motorsports, all those good places, and there are plenty of cool pictures uh, to see Keke and Nico Rosberg driving around Monaco in, in their respective uh, championship winning cars. Very cool to see. All right, well, that's it. That's pretty much all I've got uh, for this show. We'll be back in uh, a couple of days, uh, beginning of next week, to recap the Monaco Grand Prix and all the drama that's bound to happen. There should probably be some indie talk as well. Full disclosure, I'm not really much of a an indie fan, or I haven't been uh, in recent times, but uh, I, I've become more interested. My interest has been peaked, and I must say, I like the look of the aero package that uh, they have on the indie uh, cars for this year. And Indianapolis, the 500, it's a spectacle, always, always fun to watch. I mean, it goes on for hours and hours and hours, of course. And for me, it's maybe not quite as appealing as last year when Fernando Alonso was uh, was racing in the 500 for the first time, but should still be good to watch. Uh, at least the last 50 laps I always find very, very enjoyable to watch. Uh, maybe the first 450 miles <laughs> could be a, a little sort of drags on a little bit for, for my mind. But I've really been had my uh, my, my curiosity, my interest uh, peaked again, especially with uh, some of the conversations I have with uh, people on social media and just uh, watching some races here and there. So uh, that's where I'm going to be on Sunday. Champions League on Saturday. Formula One and IndyCar on Sunday, and who knows what else I'll be able to cram in there in between. Well, yeah, Major League Soccer, Vancouver Whitecaps, team that I, I cover for the local media here in Vancouver, they play on Saturday afternoon as well, so you can see that that my weekend is pretty much set, and I'm going to have to find some time to fit in the family, or I'm going to be in trouble. But on that note, I'm going to at least get out of trouble for tonight and uh, end this show here, end this hot mess and put it put it to bed <laughs> for this week. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can do that at f one pod. And if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, you can find me at Mark J.R. Daily. And that is daily with an L-E-Y at the end. Be prepared for a Formula One talk, mostly soccer talk and some random stuff in between. But the, uh, the show handle is where I will 
will be talking Formula One, IndyCar, and motorsports in general most days of the week. So get online, get on Twitter, say hello, send me an email, scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. Catch you again this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?